Welcome and good morning. It is September 9th. 2023. You are listening to a lot of law. I'm your host, Attorney Kyle Wyatt of Wyatt Law and Associates and Freedom Traffic Law, located at 2847 South Finger Mill Road, Unit C 101, open Monday through Friday, handling all of your uh, family law and traffic law needs. Many of you know, most of you know, who are longtime listeners to talk radio and are plugged in. Uh, are aware that uh, then Attorney General Eric Schmidt for the great state of Missouri, uh, along with uh, other attorney generals from other states, uh, primarily Louisiana, uh, filed a lawsuit against one Joseph Biden, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the CDC, the Department of Homeland Security, and the National Institute of Allergy and infectious disease, claiming that starting in 2017, four years before Biden was president, officials within the government began laying the groundwork for a systematic and a systematic campaign to control speech on social media. Uh, this was something, you know, Eric Schmidt, uh, especially when he was running for U.S. Senate, uh, he was on a... Um, he was on a tear for a while. He uh, had a little campaign uh, shtick he was doing, you know, that he, he wakes up, gets dressed, uh, goes to work, sues Joe Biden, comes home, takes a shower, goes to bed. Um, and that was his day every day. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of uh, lawsuits lately uh, against uh, the White House. That might have a little bit of tell for uh, the current sitting attorney general. But the one that we had, Attorney Eric Schmidt, uh, was not shy of going against corruption, going against Joe Biden. Uh, and so he filed a lawsuit. He even got to, he had an opportunity to depose uh, Tony Fauci uh, in regards to this lawsuit. Uh, and, uh, and so they've, uh, they've been arguing in court uh, for some time now. And it started off with, uh, we had a ruling from the uh, Western District of Louisiana, Monroe Division, there, uh, that, uh, well, let's just start with the, the, the petition that was filed. So you had the state of Missouri, uh, Eric Schmidt, with the state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, uh, filed as plaintiffs against Joseph Biden, Jennifer Saki, remember her? She was the former uh, White House press secretary. Vivek Murthy, uh, who was the uh, Surgeon General of the United States. Xavier uh, Becerra is the uh, Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, they sued the Department of Health and Human Services. Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, Centers of Disease Control, CDC. And uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. Remember that guy, right? He's a, he's a, he's a winner. Uh, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. They didn't stop with that. No, they went on with Jen Easterly, uh, Director of Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Uh, they sued the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency themselves. And then finally, Nina Jankowski. Uh, John Janakowitz. Yeah, Jankowitz. I don't know. Too many consonants. Uh, but she is uh, the director of uh, of the so-called uh, Disinformation Governance Board within the Department of Homeland Security. Remember that? You know, they, uh, you know, Joe Biden is, is, is 
big on uh, telling the truth, right? Uh, not spreading disinformation. We all know that this has been going on for some time now. His poor son has been the victim of this uh, this slander, this disinformation, this Russian hoax. Uh, that somehow he was just a moron and left his laptop uh, in, in, in this shop and, 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 and somehow got into uh, Rudy Giuliani's hands. And then, you know, it's just a bunch of bogus BS stuff. We all know that. And so, uh, you know, we have to fight against disinformation. And so Joe Biden and his wisdom uh, created this new Department of Disinformation Governance Board where they're going to make sure and look across social media and Internet platforms uh, to see if anyone is, is, is passing along things that are just not right, just not true, because we don't want to poison the minds of other Americans thinking of something is true when really it's not, just like the, the Hunter Biden laptop. We all know it's just uh, it's, it's bogus. Uh, Leslie Saul even said so on 60 Minutes. I mean, it's just you can't prove it. It's just it's just more Russian hoax. We had all these, uh, you know, these intelligent minds who signed a letter uh, stating that, yep, this is, has all the fingerprints and blueprints of, of Russian hoax. And so anyway, these two attorney generals from Missouri and Louisiana, filed a lawsuit, and I really liked how they began it. Uh, they, they filed, it's called a complaint. When you file a, a lawsuit in federal court, you call it a complaint. What's your complaint, right? And they, and they began it with the nature of the action. In 1783, George Washington warned that if the freedom of speech may be taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. That was President Washington's address to the officers of the Army, March 15, 1783. The freedom of speech in the United States now faces one of its greatest assaults by federal government officials in this nation's history. A private entity violates the First Amendment if the government coerces or induces it to take action the government itself would not be permitted to do, such as a censor expression of lawful viewpoint. We have a First Amendment constitutional right, ladies and gentlemen, right? Congress shall pass no laws that would infringe on freedom of speech. Now, over, over the centuries, we've had some tightening up of, of what it means. Um, but as a, as a rule, freedom of speech is that. You may not like it. It may offend you. It may offend you. But you have that right as an American. And so the government obviously can't do it. Now, private entities, they can. And so what this lawsuit is tying in is that the government has coerced these private corporations, these companies, or enticed them in some way to do something that the government would be unlawful to do, to stifle expression, viewpoints. That they find contrary. We will carry this on further right after the break. You are listening to All I Law. All right, welcome back. You are listening to AOL. Talking about the state of Missouri versus Joe Biden lawsuit, uh, there was a, uh, a ruling yesterday. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, you're not going to hear a lot about it on the news, though, because you don't want to have victories against Joe Biden broadcast over your 24-hour news cycle. No, that would that would not uh, be good, especially in this you know election year here where things are starting to heat up. 
The lawsuit goes on that it, this is exactly what has occurred over the past several years, beginning with express and implied threats from government officials and culminating in the Biden administration's open and explicit censorship program. Having threatened and cajoled social media platforms for years to censor viewpoints and speakers disfavored by the left, senior government officials in the executive branch have moved into a phase of open collusion with social media companies to suppress disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content on social media platforms under the Orwellian guise of halting so-called disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. Well, I have never seen that one before. Mal and malinformation. Uh, I think it was being mean, bad information. The aggressive censorship that defendants have procured constitutes government action for at least five reasons. And so Senator Schmidt, then Attorney General, laid it out. Five reasons for this censorship. Uh, absent federal intervention, common law and statutory doctrines, as well as voluntary conduct and natural free market forces, would have restrained the emergence of censorship and suppression of speech disfavored speakers, content, and viewpoint on social media. And yet, through Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and other actions, the federal government subsidized fostered, encouraged, and empowered the creation of a small number of massive social media companies with disproportionate ability to censor and suppress speech on the basis of speaker, content, and viewpoint. Such inducements as Section 230 and other legal benefits, such as the absence of antitrust enforcement, constitute an immensely valuable benefit to social media platforms and an incentive to do the bidding of federal officials. Federal officials, including most notably certain defendants herein, have repeatedly and aggressively threatened to remove these legal benefits and oppose other adverse consequences on social media platforms if they do not aggressively censor and suppress disfavored speakers, content, and viewpoints on their platforms. Just that. You go, well, where's the evidence of that? I thought of two just instantaneously. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., many of you might know him, uh, the nephew of the president, jo uh, John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1964 in Dallas, Texas, uh, whose father is Robert Kennedy, uh, then the Attorney General of the United States, also assassinated, uh, what was that, 1968, 67? Um, was he was running for the uh, Democrat primary. Uh, what censored, especially on Instagram that I remember, uh, for telling the truth, for actually quoting science about COVID and its vaccines. Censored, removed, taken off. No disinformation. Quoting actual science. Um, and then I, I, I thought of instantaneously the uh, New York Post when they had uh, secured evidence of the Hunter Biden laptop and they too, Twitter, taken off. You cannot be on our platform anymore for spreading such lies. Who gets to decide what is a lie? I don't know, but we're, it's coming into focus as we talk. And five, defendants here in colluding and coordinating with each other. 
have also directly coordinated and colluded with social media platforms to identify disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content, and thus have procured the actual censorship and suppression of freedom of speech. These factors are both individually and collectively sufficient to establish government action in the censorship and suppression of social media speech. Defendant's campaign of censorship has culminated in the recent announcement of the creation of the Disinformation Governance Board within the Department of Homeland Security. Our constitutional tradition stands against the idea that we need Oceana's mystery ministry of truth. Likewise, our constitutional tradition stands against the idea that we need a Disinformation Governance Board within our federal domestic security apparatus. As a direct result of these actions, there has been an unprecedented rise of censorship and suppression of free speech, including core political speech on social media platforms. I can tell you that right now because I, too, have been banned from Twitter. For what? I have no idea. I assume it's not for praising Joe Biden. Not just fringe views, but specific legitimate responsible viewpoints and speakers have been unlawfully and unconstitutionally silenced in the modern public square. These actions gravely threaten the fundamental right of free speech and free disclosure for virtually all citizens in Missouri, Louisiana, and America, both on social media and elsewhere. And so they filed this lawsuit. Uh, that is the nature of their complaint. And uh, immediately they filed, uh, that is, the state of Missouri and Louisiana filed for an injunction uh, to you know, so-called stop the bleed asking the district court there in Louisiana, Western District, to uh, have the government cease all communication with the social media platforms uh, so that they can <laughs> stop colluding or uh, coercing these folks into suppressing speech. Now, I don't really think the social media companies, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, need a whole lot of coercion need a whole lot of coaxing to suppress speech that they don't like because, let's face it, they're all left-wing uh, uh, ideologues there, whether it be uh, Facebook, Instagram. You can even say with Twitter. I, I know Elon Musk has bought it, but crap, guys. I mean, the people who work there are still doing it. Um, and so I don't think they require a whole lot. But I think when they came to this whole COVID stuff and the vaccines and whatnot, the government definitely put its thumb on it and it had a had a huge impact on how these social media uh, platforms worked. So the general allegations that Missouri and Louisiana filed against them is stated that the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution say the Congress shall make no law impringing, abridging the freedom of speech or the press. Article 1, Section 8 of the Missouri Constitution, Tom March would like that, provides that no law shall be passed impairing the freedom of speech, no matter by what means communicated, that every person shall be free to say, write, or publish, or otherwise communicate whatever he will on any subject, being responsible for all abuses of that liberty. Missouri Constitutional Article 1, Section 8, Article 1, Section 7 of the Louisiana Constitution also provides something very similar to that. The freedom of speech and expression guaranteed by the First Amendment is one of the greatest bulwarks of liberty. This complaint goes on. These rights are fundamental and must be protected against government interference. Government officials lack authority to censor disfavor speakers and viewpoints. I think we all can agree on that. 
If the president or Congress enacted a law or issued an order requiring the suppression of certain disfavored viewpoints or speakers on social media or directing social media to, to demonize, shadow ban, or expel certain disfavored speakers, such a law or order would be manifestly unconstitutional under the First Amendment. It would be struck down in courts instantaneously. So why, why can the president and members of his administration then go behind laws and do it anyway? Communicate with the social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Let's not forget about YouTube. And get exactly what they want without passing a law. Because they knew it was wrong. And they were finding a way to do it anyway. If there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be unorthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion. The First Amendment means that government has no power to restrict expression because of its message, its ideas, its subject matter, or its content. That was Ashcroft versus ACLU in 2002. In light of substantial and expansive threats of free expression posed by content-based restrictions, the Supreme Court has rejected as startling and dangerous a free-floating test for First Amendment coverage. Did you get that? The Supreme Court has rejected and has considered as startling and dangerous the, free, the suppression of free speech. Number two on his complaint, saying merely labeling speech and misinformation or disinformation does not strip away First Amendment protections. Labeling disfavored speech as misinformation or disinformation does not strip it of First Amendment protection. Absent from these few categories where the law allows content-based regulation of speech is in any general exception to the First Amendment or for false statements. This comports with the common understanding that some false statements are inevitable if there is to be an open and vigorous expression of views in public and private conversation. We talk about this all the time. To say something that's false, all right, well, one thing that comes to my mind is Liberon will call in here routinely, and we welcome him to. We welcome all people to call in, regardless of viewpoints. Liberon is really stuck on, as, as many of, of his cohorts, that somehow climate change is a man-made phenomenon. Never before in Earth history have we ever had climate change. Never before. Not until the Industrial Age, so we started burning oil. Have we ever had problems of this cataclysmic proportions? The oceans are boiling, the ice caps are melting, Florida and California are going to be underwater. It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. We've been hearing about it since, what, the 60s? It's changed over those decades. But nonetheless, the point is, when you engage in these debates, having an open and honest dialogue, one of you is, by nature, has to be wrong. One of you has to be saying something false. Two things cannot be right at the same time. Generally speaking, you can't have on one hand, well, yes, 
uh, man, you know, the world is, is boiling over and, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, by 2035, it's going to be all done and done. And then when 2035 happens and it didn't go the way they said it was, then obviously what they said was, was false, was misinformation or disinformation. So does that mean that the Ron should have been banned or barred from saying that statement? Certainly not. Certainly not. We can have views and viewpoints that are contrary to, to facts. It happens all the time. I deal with it in court. When people are, are, are testifying, raising their right hand, swearing to tell the truth. Inevitably, one of them, if not both of them, are lying at some point. It happens. we got to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. You are listening to All Out Law. Of Corbin from Springfield on the line with us this Saturday morning. Corbin, how you doing? Corbin. Did he gone? Is the phone still messed up? Tell me it cannot be true. Tell me it cannot be true. Still? What is it, two weeks? It worked last week. No, it did it? Yes. Yeah, we did. I don't know. Corbin, maybe try again. Um, stupid equipment. Oh, all right, where were we? Preventing the government to decree that this speech talking about what might be false, to be criminal offense, whether shouted from the rooftops or made in a barely audible whisper, would endorse government authority to compile a list of subjects about which false statements are punishable. The government power has no clear limiting principle. Our constitutional tradition stands against the idea that we need... Oceana's Ministry of Truth. That's citing uh, George Orwell, 1984. Uh, Were the court to hold that the interest in truthful discourse alone is sufficient to sustain or ban a speech, it would give government a broad sensorial power, unprecedented in this court's cases or in our constitutional tradition. The mere potential for the exercise of that power casts a chill. A chill the First Amendment cannot permit if free speech, thought, and discourse are to remain. Corbin, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Good. I'm glad to hear your voice. What do you got? So, you know, know, I've been listening to you talk here for over 30 minutes. you got a lot of passion on this thing. But I, I hate to say... I, I, I don't know what has happened to your profession, and I'm talking the law. Yeah. Because here's the problem. They don't give a damn. They, they don't give a damn. Okay, yeah, we're going to sue Joe Biden and everything else like that, but their attitude is, eh, we can get away with this. We can get away with this. Who, who, who's going to stop us? They, you know, they, they, they just, uh, indi- I don't know if they indicted or, or what it was, but Lindsey Graham and Purdue and the other uh, former senator of Georgia. Now, now, what do they have in common? Well, they're all Republican. Hmm. But, you know, they're trying to bring them up on the same charges that they brought Donald Trump on. And it, 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 the, the law doesn't matter anymore. You know, I mean, you all of a sudden you want to you want to talk about something that you don't like. You know, you want to give Alex Jones a platform, or you know what? Let's go down to Harrison, Arkansas. Let's get the old boys from the Ku Klux Klan, and let's let them give them their their free speech, which you which you have laid out. 
that, hey, they have the right to say it. By God, you may, you know, you may not agree with the Klan. You may not agree with everything that Alex Jones says, but they had that right to say it. All of a sudden, you know, it's hate speech, and you're bringing them up on 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 charges. But I mean, I mean, who would have thought about, you know, New York City? You had a guy in the subway beat the living hell out of an old lady, yeah. and I I, th- I think he got he got. To, uh, didn't have to do cash run. I think he's already back out on the streets. We, we got smash and grabs. We got California where if it's not over $1,000 or whatever, you know, we're, we're not going to prosecute you. But, you, you know, you come up and you say, you know what? That election was rigged. All of a sudden, you are one evil SOV, and the, the, full, the full force of the law is coming right down on your head. At the end of the day, and I, I mean, the, the our party's not doing a damn thing, Kyle. That that's you know. I mean, what are we what are we doing? We, are we writing stern emails to people? That's going to put the fear of God in somebody. At the end of the day, I, I mean, I mean, what what is it going to take? I mean, I mean, when when is critical mass going to be hit? I would have thought it got hit a long time ago, but we they're, they're, they're still taking the they're, they're taking the Constitution right now. They're using it as toilet paper. They don't give a damn. That at the end of the day, something that set this nation on the course that it was on, all of a sudden just became a piece of paper. I understand. It, it, it didn't matter at the end of the day. Well, I appreciate it. Did not matter. I do appreciate it. And, and look, I understand the frustration, but the courts are our last bastion, which scary to even think of. You know, we're going to we're going to rest our hopes on on courts, but I mean, they're already we're we're, we're seeing victories in there. Um and and most assuredly Trump, you know, look, that uh that Democrat prosecutor in Georgia, she has uh she's really ex- overplayed everything. It, it's going to backfire on, on the Democrats in this way, Corbin. I, w- I would tell you, with with all the the, the indictments and, and things that are that they filed, is that uh, the First Amendment is going to be popped up, and it's it's she's going to be smacked down. It, it just what she, I think she's trying to do. I, it, I don't think victory is, is part of the, the the plan. I think we talked about this some weeks ago. Victory has never been part of, of of the true vision for these Democrats. Uh, I think it's it, it, one for some of these like these local folks, like the one we have in New York and and then here in Georgia, Atlanta, uh, Fulton County prosecutor is just name. I want my name out there. I want to be the one who takes on uh, President Trump. How many Democrats have run for office and and and, and vow that they are going to be the ones who who take the 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 the, the orange man down? They're the ones who going to. And so it's it's more for for you know money. Uh, influence, that type of thing. It's never going to be about victory. I think the other thing that, that has come across my mind, I don't know about you, is it's, a, it's, it's not a bad strategy, but when when President Trump has to fight so many different battles and so many different fronts, you know, what we got? We got a federal indictment in Florida. We got a federal indictment in D.C. We got the New York case. We got this Atlanta case. Uh, Lord knows what, what may come after that. Well, all of that takes money. I mean, he has to hire counsel in each of these different 
locales. He has to find a, a team in each of these locales. You're talking about millions of dollars being expended uh, to defend himself. Well, you know, as wealthy as, as Trump is, uh, it is uh, it would be daunting for anybody to have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. I think there's also this emotional tax that, 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 that's going to be played on Trump. I don't know how the man does it. I mean, he, he, he keeps getting whacked and, and, and hit around and smacked around every, every, every time he, he, he gets out of bed. And yet he still plows forward. So, you know, it, it is remarkable what he does. But again, I don't think the last plan has anything to do with, with locking him up or anything like that. I don't even think it would be possible, to be honest with you. I mean, how do you lock up the president and when he has Secret Service? Are they going to supposed to go to prison with him? I mean, there is a reason why we have Secret Service for uh, former presidents. Benny Stratford, what, what do you say? Well, um, I believe it was Herbert Hoover uh, said that the best way to destroy America was through the justice system. Yeah. And the Biden administration or Obama administration is putting corrupt judges in the federal courts the Democrat DA city uh, state state DAs are corrupt, yeah. and the justice system with the justice system being corrupt, you can't get a fair trial. Therefore, Biden's not going to get um, charged with anything. Well, he's not going to be convicted of anything. And anybody who disagrees with them are just going to get punished. And I just don't see, um, with our corrupt justice system, I just don't see any kind of uh, fair trials at all. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and I hope you're wrong, man. I hope you're damn wrong. I know, look, um, I don't know how you follow the January 6th stuff, and we had uh, the uh, plea deals. And trials uh, for, like, members of the Proud Boys, uh, Oath Keepers. I don't have it here in front of me. I didn't, pull it up. I didn't plan on talking about it. Uh, but it was reported that the judge um, who was sentencing, and I believe it was a, a Proud Boy member, leader, whatever, that it was that judge's hope that this, this sentence, and I think it was over 20 years, uh, sentence in jail for an individual who wasn't even there on January 6th, um, that it would have an impact on how people talk or how people uh, speak or information that they share. It was almost that he was hopeful that, you look here, you, you talk out against us, this is what's going to come towards you, which would obviously would have a, a stifling effect on speech. Uh, that may have also screwed him too, because it wouldn't take much to appeal that decision, um, and and have just the the judge's uh, statements, which was recorded, um, as a basis of appeal. So time will tell on that. But look, courts are our last bastion of hope, guys. But I got good news. All right, two orders, two different courts that just. Came down. We'll talk about that right after the break. You are listening to All Out Law. Welcome back. We have on the line with us Roger from Nixa. Roger, good morning. Good morning. 
What do you got? For How are you? you? Doing good. Well, I think it's Trump's fault and it's our fault. I'll start with our fault. This is going on because we tolerate it. I remember a war called the Vietnam War that the public opinion stopped it cold. So that's our fault. We're all silent. We all just sat by and watched this happen. Number two is Trump's fault because had he at least tried to put Hillary in prison, these others would have gotten the message. Maybe. So, you know, it's that's just the way I feel about it. And I think Trump's best chance is to go ahead and start the third party. Even if we lose, at least it started, you know? Right. All right, I said my piece. I appreciate you calling and listening, Roger. I do. Really, really do. Um, This was entered. It's a date on this. Should have had this ready for you guys. Such a. So it's such an amateur, my producer would say. You're just such an amateur. Good God, this is one hell of an order. Uh, I wouldn't even tell you guys how um, many pages it is. It's uh, This is fascinating. I've never seen one. Uh, this has to be, it's over 100, yeah, over 100 page long order concerning uh, Missouri and Louisiana uh, was... Uh, successful, yeah, July 4th. Oh, yeah, 4th. Yeah, we, we talked about this. It was on the news. It was on the news. Terry Doughty, U.S. Uh, District Judge, entered its order uh, that the, the government, specifically uh, those listed in the complaint that we talked about earlier at the beginning of the hour, uh, are, are enjoined from communicating with social media companies about deleting, moving, or removing, suppressing, or reducing posts on social media platforms that are not protected by free speech of the First Amendment of the United States. Um, and so Joe Biden, excuse me, when this came out, was beside himself. Couldn't believe that a U.S. District Court dared tell him and his his administration what they can and cannot do. How dare you say, well, we we could talk to with social media companies and whatnot. And so they appealed. They appealed that decision. And so that decision uh, was then taken up to the United States 5th Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, and on September 8th, 2023, right? So just yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, um, the Court of Appeals, the only step higher than that, you know it, Supreme Court of the United States, uh, entered its order and it was, guys, this was kind of like a haymaker toward Joe Biden. You know, so Corbin, I understand the frustration and I understand, um, look, <laughs> uh, 
I can't trust any government entity. It's just they're all crooked. They're all they're all wicked. They're all whatever. Um, but man, if we don't have law and order, if we don't have justice, and we don't really have a nation, and yeah, if if we treat the Constitution as nothing more than than TP in the bathroom, uh, then yeah, we we we're not gonna have we're not gonna have freedom. You know, we're not going to have a republic. Um, and so it's, it's vital that these men and women who swore to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States, we have to pray that they, that they, they hold that oath um, and, and, and keep it. They're not politicians, you know, and I think the framers— you know, they're brilliant in so many different ways, ladies and gentlemen. The framers, I mean, you think about, you know, 240 some odd years ago. And it just amazes me that even back then, uh, these men who didn't have the, the sophistication or whatever you want to say, the, what we have today, uh, they did not lack in intelligence, and they probably far exceeded our intelligence. We're able to say, look, we cannot have a judicial branch who is going to be controlled by politics, going to be controlled by wondering what elections are coming up. And so they made these, these offices lifetime appointments. I know they've been under attack of late because of some of the decisions that have come down from the Supreme Court that the left does not like. But by God, uh, it is it is something that... Uh, has been very useful for us. So the district judge or district court's judgment was affirmed yesterday, meaning that, you know what, that district judge had it correct with respect to the White House, Surgeon General, CDC, FBI. We didn't mention that last time. The FBI has included this now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but then they reverse, he re, they reverse it to regards to all the other officials. Jen Psaki's not even there anymore. Um, Anthony Fauci's not there anymore. Uh, the preliminary injunction is vacated except for prohibition number six, which is modified as set forth here. And the appellant's motion for a stay pending appeal is denied as moot. The appellant's request to extend the administrative stay for 10 days following the date uh, hereof pending an application to the Supreme Court of the United States is granted. So we've got 10 days. And after that, this will take effect. So I just think it's there, there's, there's victories. And that's why I brought it up, guys. There's victories, and um, and you're not going to hear about it on the news. You're not going to hear about it. And so I just thought it was uh, something that would be worthy to, to share with you. Um, and uh, and so anyway, I, I, it was it was it was it was something that uh, the way I looked at it, um, we need to hear about some victories because when you listen to the news. Um, a lot of it can always just seem really bad and, and downcast, but that's what I love about radio. Also, guys, you know, radio used to be a, a day and age, a time where where people would uh, sit before a box and, and and listen to news, listen to entertainment, and I always thought about about it of of you know things that uh, we we used to take for granted that just no longer exist now you know, with all the noise of the internet and the TV and stuff, and so there was a story. That uh, that was out, and I thought I'd share it with you. In the bustling heart of the 1960s, Detroit, a young man with a penchant for mechanics was 
constantly tickering in his small home garage. His neighbors often saw him knee-deep in engine parts and oil stains, rebuilding cars from the ground up. But this young man had a vision that stretched beyond the realms of ordinary car repairs. While others saw heaps of metal, he saw potential artistry, a canvas that begged for innovation and refinement. Yet his unassuming beginnings betrayed no signs of the legend he was about to become. As the years rolled by, he steadily honed his craft, gaining a reputation as a brilliant and reliable mechanic. However, it was just the engines, it wasn't just the engines that fascinated him. His interest started leaning towards the aesthetics, the curves, the elegance that a car could embody. Soon his garage metamorphosed into a studio where steel met artistry. He began experimenting with car designs that were nothing short of revolutionary. While most were fixated on the utility aspect of automobiles, this man was dreaming of cars that would represent luxury. A style could make heads turn and hearts flutter with just a glance. People began to take notice, and in no time his creations were sought after by car enthusiasts who recognized the innovative brilliance that was unfolding in that small garage in Detroit. The word spread, reaching the ears of the giants in the automobile industry. They were astounded by the finesse and the innovation that a self-taught artist was bringing to the industry that had been stagnant for a while. Then a turn that could only be described as fate, the industry's bigwigs offered him a position that would give him a larger canvas to paint his autom automotive dreams upon, and paint he did. Crafting designs are both ahead of their time and timeless in their elegance. Soon the name John DeLorean became synonymous with luxury and innovation in the automotive world. Yes, young mechanic who once tinkered in a humble garage was none other than the mastermind behind the DeLorean DMC-12, a car that would later gain legendary status, not just for its unique gold-wing doors and stainless steel body, but also as the iconic time machine in the Back to the Future film series. I think stories that take place around us and about us are, are something that uh, needs to be shared. You know, we need have good news. We need to hear about uh, the human spirit and how we can all be better. And I think we all can be better. And I hope, uh, hope all of us kind of learn. Uh, from the mistakes of the past and, 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 and move forward. I really am sincere with the idea that, you know, this, uh, this election cycle is going to be coming up. It's, it's more important than ever uh, that people just start talking to each other, not towards each other or at each other. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting close, guys, to, if not already there, where there's such a divide. There's such a divide in this country, in our country, and we deserve better. We'll talk about that later in the weeks and uh, months ahead. Ronald Reagan has been a big influence, and I think we need to listen back to his wisdom that might help us through these troubling times. Guys, I hope you enjoy your beautiful fall coming weekend. Until next time, stay tuned.